I'm gay. And I'm your host, Geraldo Rivera. You're tuned in to episode 27 of Geraldo's Edge Game, the premier edging cumcast podcast. Cumcast, whatever. You're here. You might be here again. This may be your first time. I hope it's your last. And I really mean that. that I'm dead serious. A lot of you consumers out there I judge a lot of you and I, I don't think it's I don't think it's fair for me to to judge so hard because I am a consumer. In fact, I'm a, an extremely hyper aware consumer of all sorts of things. And somehow I feel like I'm superior to the average consumer because at least I'm very conscious of how I consume it. And I don't know if you've noticed based on watching anything I make, whether it's this podcast or any of my other videos, but I'm supposedly on a mission. I'm supposedly trying to communicate this idea that you should stop watching this, whatever it may be at that very moment. It used to be a lot more subtle. I thought I could, you know, create a sort of subtext for it. But it seems I have to be very clear and direct that as you are consuming this, I very surely hope that you decide to stop at any given moment like right now would be ideal. And I know that's very counterproductive to getting the message out. And why would someone seek out content that tells them to stop viewing said content? Why would you make porn that tells people to stop watching pornography? Not just all, not just other people's pornography. I'm telling you to stop watching my porn. I need you to stop watching me in addition to everything else. If you want to start by stopping you know, hardcore stuff. Great. 
Um, but my goal is to get you to stop watching this, <laughs> which isn't many people anyway. It's not a lot of people. But I think the people that end up watching this sort of content <clears throat> that listens to a podcast about a, a porn star hosted by a porn star, a, a very niche, mind you, porn creator, you need the most help. So you need the most uh, advice to to stop. And I think you need to hear it from me. And unfortunately, maybe that's what you like about it. And that's very disturbing to me. It's not that other people haven't created all sorts of other forms of media that critique the amount of consumption, the mindless consumption we do. It's not that people haven't made TV shows about how bad television is or movies that tell you how bad it is to watch a lot of you know movies to idolize movie stars and actors and comedians and whatever just anyone to idolize anyone um but you know what you consume and who you consume is is important to your average consumer the more time we all invest in what we watch and what we read. If, if you read, um, is what defines you. You, you feel compelled to make it part of you because it's how you spend your time. And I start to think like, you know, what, what else defines a person besides what they, besides what they do. If a man's actions is, is, is what defines him, if his actions mostly include watching Marvel movies and reading about Marvel Universe, um, is he more than that? Now, I am not a philosopher by any means. And I'm not going to attempt to sound like one, but I will say that it's not only about what you consume, but what you appear to consume and what you think you appear to consume to other people. You look like you look like you you listen to Geraldo Rivera's podcast. You look like you would right now in this moment. Yeah, you look like you would watch anti-porn and jerk off to it spitefully because I told you not to. You look like that kind of person.
Now, it's fine to like what an artist makes. That's 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 part of why they make it. I think is it's it's for them to express something, you know. But I think a lot of times they hope someone connects with it and someone appreciates it. I don't speak for all creators, but to some degree, I think that is true for, for most people who create, they would, they hope someone finds some meaning in it or relates to it in some way. So it's fair for, for a viewer, for a consumer to look at it and say, yeah, like I want to know more. Maybe I want to connect with this person or this group of people more because of the, the kind of art that they created. I want to know more about their influences. I want to know what they consumed over the course of a lifetime and experienced in order to create what not, what I now consume. And then you want to consume what they consume. And then you're stuck in this bubble, <laughs> this creative bubble. And that's fine. Again, this is not inherently wrong. The part where I get caught up in that, that cycle is that after consuming so much for so long, whether it's watching so much television or watching so many movies or watching, you know, someone's filmography, whatever, um, or their whole discography, if it's, if it's music, whatever it may be, I've never read more than like one book of any particular author. I've not, well, we'll get there. Uh, well, I'll get to that point later, but, I, I reach a point where I have this immense anxiety because 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 it's inspiring because to, to to if you really enjoy so much of what someone creates I don't I don't understand how more people aren't inspired to create their own version of it or to create literally anything. It doesn't have to be even related to what it is. Just if they truly enjoy a movie or a show or a book or a song or a, any piece of work, I feel like you can only consume so much of it before you want to be a part of that, to, to contribute to it, to create something and, and instead of consuming it. And I guess I'm just confused as to why there aren't more people that don't try. I'm not saying I, I didn't spend a lot of time watching and consuming in the meantime, before I started making anything, it's, I just think there, someone has to reach a person has to reach a point where they're like, I want to do that now. 
I want to make something like that. I can do that better or I can do it worse or whatever. Um, or in response to something they hate, you know, or something that they dislike. There's just so many ways to respond and approach to it. And I think a lot of people don't respond. They don't react to what they consume. They just kind of swallow it and become it. They don't, they don't necessarily incorporate it into themselves. They just kind of become the work. They don't become the person that created the work, which could be potentially more practical or ideal. You become this creation that someone else put out in the world for you. And I'm not just talking about, you know, Disney adults and Marvel fans. I mean, that's obviously very easy to point a finger at, but it, it can be applied to any, any niche. How does that come back to this, to what we're listening, what you're, what you're doing right now? This isn't even really, is this really even a podcast? Do, do you gain something from this beyond just the mild entertainment or are you actually sexually stimulated by it? I don't know but I think you should ask yourself what you're doing with it. Is it background noise? Do you, do you um, feel like you learn something about what I say? Do you feel like you relate to what I talk about? Do you feel like you want to, to do this too? Do you feel like you want to start your own podcast like everyone else and their grandma did during pandemic? Maybe. But all I ask is that you remind yourself and ask yourself, hey, what am I doing with this? Are you in for a lifetime of being entertained? Because I am. I am. Don't I look like I am with these? Don't I, don't I give off the vibe with these glasses that I'm well-read perhaps that I have a nice, uh, uh, thoroughly, um, curated list of Spotify playlists and letterboxed, uh, reviews and, uh, uh, a Patreon reading list that I keep behind the paywall. <laughs> Don't you want to know more about what I read and, and watch and listen to in my free time? 
because it looks like I have, I, I do a lot of it and I do, I really do. I do it almost, um, obsessively, you know, I don't, if I watch a movie for the first time, I'm going to really sit and watch it. And I listen to albums from the beginning to end, you know, I listen to them as in order as intended, you know, it's, I am pretentious. I am pretentious about art, about consuming art. And that's, that's the discrepancy I want to make is that it's not about the creation of art. It's, it's about how people consume art. That's what I'm snooty about is when people don't, don't really sit and, um, and take it in supposedly. I don't think there's anything wrong with mindlessly enjoying something there. I think there are things that you should just mindlessly consume that you should, you should hopefully turn your brain off for and can be fed whatever it may be. There are things for that. Most modern movies are really good for that. This is good for that. <laughs> but in terms of how someone creates something, just fucking, I don't know, who fucking cares? Like I'm interested in the create like the creative process, but you know, clearly when I make stuff, it's it, there's not a whole lot of um I don't think there's much to be said about it. And I, I, I think it's weird when people want to know more about my influences, but clearly if you're listening to this, you have some mild interest in me beyond my jerk off videos, which I think you shouldn't, I, I, which I, I think is a bad thing. <laughs> I think, um, some of you, ask me for music, movies, television, book recommendations. And then some of you send me recommendations that somehow you have discerned or determined that I would enjoy based seemingly purely off of you know, the kind of content I make based on watching me jerk off. You uh, have um, music and uh, video game uh, podcast suggestions, recommendations. And you go out of your way to, to send that to me. And it, to me, that just means 
you really don't get you really don't get it you really don't get what i'm trying to communicate this is for me what i make is for me and it makes me really sad when you reach out to me because it means you don't get it it makes me really sad that I have literally any followers or literally anyone who adds me on any socials or friends me on X videos or, or whatever, or ask me about where are your socials? Can I add you on LinkedIn? You know, things like that. I wish someone would add, would find me on LinkedIn and, 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 and add me. I don't think I'm that hard to find. Um, <laughs> Cause I'm very professional after all because the point of it is i encourage you to minimize the amount of one the time you spend watching porn first of all number one two the amount of time you invest in in just any internet persona not spending time on the internet but like investing time and in idolizing like a hassan piker or a, 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 a sam hyde or <laughs> And I only list those two because uh, I don't know, because that's, that's who I, you know, I think people my age tend to fall into those are, those are, those are two very different camps, I think of people for, uh, for Gen Z and millennials. If you're seemingly approaching terminally online status, uh, you probably know who both of those people are. And you shouldn't. I wish you didn't. I wish I didn't. I wish I didn't know who those people were, but I do. I wish I didn't know any, any, you know, them fluencers. But I, I, I am aware. I am aware of the, the, the Instagram, uh, fucking beef between, like a meme page and someone who posts uh, reading lists behind a paywall and is sending them a cease and desist letter to stop. I forget the name of the account. I got banned from Instagram, which is very good. Well, I, I think I got permanently this time. I've been, I got banned. I got my account disabled three times in the span of, uh, I think three weeks. And so I think that's probably too many. I would imagine. I don't know how the first two they were like, oh, you know, our bad. I don't know. I didn't have to do anything special. I just sent the appeal. Um, but the third time I've heard no response. So I think that's a nail in the coffin. But I will say that having the Instagram as an extension of me as Geraldo, as an extension of Geraldo Rivera, the porn content creator, the adult content creator, um, was very sad. And I, it was very depressing to me because that again, it's, it's, it's a, it's a failure on my end to, to get a message across because people don't watch 
all 120 whatever videos I put out in the world. No, why? I hope not. Uh, and I guess my messaging hasn't been consistent. And usually I hope by the time they get to the Instagram or the Snapchat, based on what I post or communicate to them, is that I don't like you and I don't want you to be here. I want you to be doing something else with your life. Please leave me alone. It's not about leaving me alone. I definitely like connecting with people and I like talking to people. That is what people get wrong is that they think I, I'm extremely antisocial and don't want to talk to you. The problem is that I don't want to talk to you in this particular context. I'm going to allow you to do that and I will humor you, but by the very nature and context of how you found me and how you reached out to me, it completely ruins any, any desire for me to really want to, to talk and connect with you. And there are some exceptions. Don't get me wrong. It's just that everyone thinks that they're potentially an exception to the rule. And I get a lot of people, which is good. I get a lot of people who message me and then I message them back and they, and they're extremely surprised. They say, wow, I didn't think I'd get any response. And I say, well, why did you, first of all, good. I'm glad you didn't think you'd get a response. However, why did you still try? And why do you think you wanted to? Why, why would you want a response? And a lot of times it's because they're horny. And I don't think that's always a good excuse for <sighs> messaging random content creators in a fit of horny rage. And I've touched on this plenty of times. The point, this is, a, this is all an intro, by the way. This was meant to be like a minute. Um, this is a whole intro to, I, I was going to just talk to you about what I like. That, that was the whole point of my episode. Was I, was like, I was just going to talk about the books I've read and, and, and tried to read or the book I've tried to read for 20 years or whatever. That, that was what I was going to do. But I decided... Uh, I needed to give this 30 minutes of, of fucking context in case you didn't get the point is that you shouldn't be listening to it anyway. So I've spent, I've tried to spend 30 minutes now telling you to not continue watching. Uh, and yet here you are still, or maybe you clicked into halfway through to see if anything happened yet. If I even pulled my cock out yet, and no, I haven't. I've just been appearing to jerk my little pee pee. I think, um, you should take what you consume and do something with it. Just anything. Create something based on what you've seen and appreciate and try to make your own. That's all. I think you should try once. Try to make, try to paint, try to make, I don't know, origami, balloon animals. 
be a clown, do something crazy, you know? And that, that's the, the thing though, is that people don't really consume a lot of that. That's usually not what I have in mind when I say these things, because there aren't that many people out there that spend a lot of time enjoying paintings or enjoying someone watching someone paint or watching someone make origami or make balloon animals. They just like the balloon animal and, and then they let it deflate in their room. Me, I liked balloons. I, I liked the idea of balloon animals. So I learned how to make balloon animals. Not very well. I can only make a few, but you know, I did, I did it. This isn't a motivational thing of like, go, go out and, you know, chase your dreams. But like, if anything, you know, stop doing the things that stop taking up time with everything else. Being a connoisseur of movies and, and television is not, it's not an identity. It's not, it's, it's, you can't be that. Don't be a fan. Stop calling yourself a fan. People think it's weird when I call them fans. The people that message me, I'm like, yeah, what, what the fuck else are you? <laughs> We're not friends, you know? And what I, the, the thing is, is like, I, I always hoped I would meet. I hope I, I always hope someone that also makes content would reach out to me. And that's not the case. That's not the case. People, I mean, I, clearly I wouldn't read. I don't reach out to people who make content. So I don't know why I would expect anyone to reach out to me that makes content, but that that's ideal. Ideally, that's what the Instagram was for. That's what the Snapchat was for was if someone wanted to create something with me is so that they had a way to reach out to me and we could collab. We could clab. See apostrophe lab. But um, that's not what happened. I'm sure there were a few people who had OnlyFans and stuff like that, but they're not, they weren't there to, to create, you know, to collaborate with me, to, to ask about it or to get feedback on something or to, which good. Why would you ask me? But you know, that's what it's really for. Um, but instead it's just the more traditional I want to relate to you in a very parasocial way. And I just want another way to consume more of you on a regular basis. And I fed into that. I spent, I was spending a lot of time on Instagram chatting up babes and, and, and posting dumb shit posts to my story. And then I even had a backup page for shit posts. And I was like, what am I doing? I still have, I mean, I, I still have it. Um, and I, it made me really, really like reevaluate, like, what did I have that for in the first place? I mean, I made it initially for the, the ASMR page for jank ASMR. And even that I was like, you know, I just thought it'd be another way to post my videos rather than to be an extension of, to create more content for yet another platform. Anyway. Anyway, so if you're somehow still fucking here and you still want to know 
uh, what has influenced me, what my creative influences are. Because clearly, I think I've put out a lot of my experiences already, my real life experiences in the preceding episodes. But if you're still here, I guess I will humor you with a list of things for you to look into if you want to understand what I plagiarize and what I steal from to make satirical jerk-off pornography. <laughs> And this will be behind a paywall to be determined. I guess I should just start by explaining this immediate influence um, for being here, for making a, a podcast in general. Uh, I am a huge fan. I'm a fan of a lot of stand-up. And I've watched a lot of stand-up uh, since I was really young because my dad used to play like Eddie, like old Eddie Murphy tapes for me in the car. A lot of like... <laughs> he, he had Richard Pryor tapes, I think. We used to listen to a lot of Adam Sandler tapes, like his shitty like musical stuff, you know, his acoustic guitar content. Um, and I watch a lot of Comedy Central. And so I'll touch on the early influences later, but my point being is that a lot of comedians now have, as, as almost necessitated, uh, the industry has necessitated the availability and creation of a podcast for for all comedians it's 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 a requirement that you have some form of long form weekly entertainment um which is usually in the form of a podcast um and in a way it's good because you get to hear a, a very a much less polished version and you get to hear how people work out their, you know, their creative process. You get to, you really get to see how their their brain kind of works, and the way their mind connects certain ideas and reacts to it on a whim. With that said, I'm not gonna, I'm not an expert or I'm not gonna try to analyze it too much. But that's just what I appreciate about it. And I think I, I'm assuming that's what any podcast is: is you get to. If it's just something personal like that, especially when it's like comedians, it's just them fucking. It's it's basically them riffing, you know, for an hour, on anything, um. Without any limitations, uh, anyway. My point is that I'm a huge fan of Tim Dillon, um, and I, I clearly I'm not adoptive of his style in any way. 
and and really his style is is derivative of uh of like alex jones or 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 um fuck i forget the other fat guy that screams but you know fat guy screaming is uh is a great format for for podcasts and for radio um and i never really liked that until more recently in the past couple of years his stand-up comedy isn't necessarily like that it that's that's it's not and when you think of like funny angry man screaming you might think of uh <laughs> you can also think of like dane cook's stand-up but Tim Dillon's stand-up is is not like that. But his podcast is it, it tends to be it's this calm. It's like a calm before the storm. It feels like there's very there's something brewing at any moment. There's this passive aggressiveness that is always kind of simmering. And I like that. And I and I I I think I try to go for that when I make it, it never really turns into the scream. It doesn't build up into the it doesn't really crescendo like I'd like it to. And th maybe that's just not my style, but that's kind of that's what tickles me. And I would love to make something more like that, but it's not how my it's not how I flow. Nor do I make a podcast that's that's even as poignant as what he what he does. And and see, and that's the, the thing is like I like Tim Dillon so much that I do when he mentions things that he's read or books he's read or the guests that he has on his show, just anything he references, I have spent the time looking into all the conspiracies and whistleblowers and things like that that he mentions because i know that's what influenced him to to a certain degree and i know there's a lot of limitations in terms of like he also used to do like a lot of drugs and he's also gay and he's also fat and he's also from long island and all these other things that i can't be you know i don't want to be him i just want to understand how to I, yeah, I guess to be more like him in a in a performative sense as a performer rather than a, a person. To, as a person, he seems like very difficult to be around. And I and I like that. Because I I I feel that I can be very personable, but I am generally not interested in very difficult to be around. So this is me relating really hard to someone else. He, he is someone I, I simp for a little bit and at least more recently. And is the reason why I make, I uh, have a jerk off podcast, which is extremely gay. Um, and I hope Tim Dillon watches it someday and jerks off to it. Or just gets a little chubby. He doesn't have to jerk off to it. He can just, you know, be like, huh, that's funny. And then find something that's actually hot. Um, I don't know if I'm twinky enough for him, but I, I did idolize him for a little bit. And I was like, that's fucking cool. I want to do fucking, I want to do that. 
I've, I've watched a lot of comedians and, you know, I, really Louis, Louis CK was my first, like, I would say major, like that made me want to get into it. I, I, I've watched a lot of comedy. I watched a lot of funny shows, but in terms of like stand up, stand up, Louis was the one that really did it for me. And then on top of that, his fucking FX show was like, whoa, you can use your platform as a comedian. But I, I understand that Louis has had a long fucking career. He's been a writer for years before that, had another failed show before that. He had so much, but I only saw him, you know, I only started recognizing him during his peak, really. But I was a mega fan at his peak. Um, but I was also in high school, you know, when he peaked. So I don't know what, what to say about that, but I, you know, very, very formative for me comedy wise um and watched a lot of when i was young my dad i mean my dad was my dad was like always craving funny he's always craving the next best laugh and always going for a laugh like he is addicted to to something funny and he as i've discussed before he, he used to like catalog jokes he wanted to be funny there was part of me i'm pretty sure my dad wanted to be a comedian he just doesn't have the balls to do it um and neither do i <laughs> but i apparently have the balls to jerk off and try to be funny um because the jerking off itself is what's funny to me Everything else is extra, but to me, the the jerk off is what is supposed to make it funny. <sighs> anyway, we watched a lot of South Park. We watched a lot of Jackass when I was fucking like six. Um, celebrity death match. A lot of Mad TV. Never watched SNL as a kid. Watched Mad TV only, um, and then I'll ever any dumb movie Adam Sandler made. Loved Jim Carrey. Loved Ace Ventura. Favorite favorite movie actually was uh, Rush Hour Two, like Rush Hour One and Two, and I think that might only be because I, we had like VHS copy, like clean VHS copies of those movies. We had like, we had Ace Ventura, but it was just like a recorded like TV recording on, on tape, you know, it was, it was janky and had commercials in it. He had the fast forward. So I, I, you know, those got annoying, but I had a clean, had clean copies of Rush Hour 1 and 2 for some reason. And my mom would let me watch those over and over. Um, <laughs> good times. That and like Shanghai Noon. Any, any buddy buddy thing that Jackie Chan was in really into that action comedy. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was a lot of that. And then my, my dad also, Oh, and we watched all the American pie movies 
And then on the flip side of that, my dad was also really into horror movies. And like he like is like totally a scaredy cat and like doesn't like to like I don't think he likes to be scared really, but like he likes maybe he does. I, I never really we never discussed it, but like clearly like he had he likes to go see he likes to get spooked, I guess. Um and we would watch everything that came out and we watched old You know, uh, Halloween and, and Nightmare on Elm Street. We watch classics. And then we also watch a lot of the shitty, you know, B movies. Not the B movie, but, you know, the shittier horror movies that no one rents at Blockbuster. He just like, he would just pick it up and be like, that looks interesting. And um, I know Leprechaun had its, has its, has a cult following now, but I think we watched Leprechaun when it was definitely not in the limelight by any means. Although the first one had Jennifer Aniston, but like I'm thinking he had a copy of, of Leprechaun two back to the hood. If that is the second one, I forget it's, but it, it was Leprechaun back to the hood. Um, things like that. We watched thanks. We didn't watch things killing that, that I found appreciation for much later, but early on, I, I think my dad still always judged those very seriously, but I didn't understand that as a kid and I didn't understand irony. I didn't understand how to enjoy something ironically necessarily, but I think at an early age, I already started watching, uh, especially the scary movies with a layer of like, Oh yeah, this is dumb. Oh yeah. I forgot. This is supposed to be, this is actually retarded because it's fake. And there's no reason to be scared. And that was kind of how I coped with being scared at such an early age is because he would take me to fucking, and I've discussed this in the daddy episode, but you know, he'd take me to fucking feel the screams in Jason's woods when I was like six um, and walking through like haunted mazes and being chased with chainsaws and shit, you know? So like as exposed to like this, this very controlled simulated like horror stuff, like really early. Um, and I liked it, but I, didn't know I why I liked it and I started learning to laugh at that sort of thing really early to find a lot of humor in uh in very grotesque like gritty stuff so I would literally have to like go to to, to get through one of those like attractions I remember literally la having to laugh at like the actors because like I couldn't I didn't want to like be scared or cry I would just have to giggle you know um, and I think that's still how I handle being scared or being anxious or intimidated with anything is, is to laugh. And I think that's common for a lot of people. Um, but I know it was definitely reinforced very early on. Um, and that's how I approach comedy now too, is, is, you know, anything that's really awful or gory is still funny to me. Um, or can be funny, but if it's very over the top, it's very aggressive. Um, it tends to tickle me because of how ridiculous and extreme it can be. Anyway, I know that's being very vague, but we'll touch on it more later. Um, and I also really enjoy in the past couple of years, I really enjoyed Sam Hyde's comedy. And I know you probably could have guessed that. Um, 
as an edge lord i do you know like using slurs <laughs> i do like being confusing about what is satirical and what's real and what's not um in the modern digital age it's a lot easier to accomplish being on any level of irony and that's what I learned from Sam watching his early YouTube videos of him just talking in a mirror, doing characters. I don't do that, but that's what I thought I wanted to do. I thought I wanted to be like a, a, a lazy YouTuber, um, at least with his early stuff. And then when I was in college, he was making a lot of that was when they were really blowing up like million dollar extreme MDE and they got the adult swim show and all that. Um, and I love that era of, of Sam too. But what I really like is when he was prior to that, he was doing stand up. He was doing a lot of, I guess kind of anti-comedy. It was very, you know, contextual. A lot of what he was doing was, funny because it wasn't in a comedy club. It was because he was doing stand-up at, he was doing a bit at an anime convention, you know, full of fucking losers. Or he's doing the TEDx talk, which is what most people I think are familiar with, Sam, and then also him being the, you know, the named shooter in any mass, uh, shooting or or bombing or whatever it may be he's always the meme of a culprit most i think a lot of people who are online know who sam hyde is now but i i still i, I i've watched his content very carefully i even subscribed to him at one point which i'm i guess i'm vaguely guilty about but i like supported you know i gave him five dollars one time for a month because i watched his content for so many years i guess it felt right um and yeah, and I still really like what he does and his style and the way he thinks. I don't like, I don't agree with his, a lot of his politics necessarily or what he views and how he, and it's hard to know what he really, you know, what he really thinks anyway, which I, which I think is ideal. It's, I think it's better to not know. And then, but either way you can project whatever image you want. And that's kind of what I learned about how I wanted to appear to people is to, I don't want you to trust that you know who I am, but I'm here to just be a, whatever you want me to be, whatever, whatever makes the most sense to you. Uh, I hope you feel that way. <laughs> uh, and also more recently, I'm really into Connor O'Malley. And Connor, again, has this really dark, subversive tone to the content he personally puts out. He's written for shows for years, um, but shows that tend to not be that truly... Uh, I, I I don't know. I know saying things are dark and subversive is corny, but it's like that's 
he, I, I, if I think of, when I think of those words, that's, that's Connor O'Malley is truly that I think he's, he does it perfectly. Um, when I think of something dark, uh, and it's only really on his YouTube that I, I feel like that's where you find he shines. Like he's, he's acted in other things. He's written for many things, but like, I don't think any of it truly represents him except for, for what he has on his YouTube, which I think is very interesting. Same thing with Sam, I think same with his, and then also paywall stuff. Um, their MDE show is really good, short lived, and then probably also highly censored. So I don't know if it's truly highly representative, but it's definitely like the best highest production value of anything he's made. Um, those are my three, those are my three big, like those are my big, all including Louie. Those are my big comedy influences in the past decade. They all taught me to be a little more ironic. And then also probably a lot of influence just generally from being on Instagram a lot and from early faith, like I used Facebook up until like 2017, 2018. So even then it was getting very, I didn't realize I was following so many, uh, what I thought were irony pages, but they were like super racist, like super like neo-Nazi, like, I, you know, the whole posed law. I didn't know. I didn't know. I, I was viewing everything with uh, through a lens of, of irony. And so it felt fine and it was funny. And I think that's all that matters <laughs> is knowing how you feel about it and not being confused and thinking, Oh shit, I'm a Nazi because I, you know, I enjoy this content and, you know, didn't realize that the majority of this fan base also is, is actually unironically like, you know, hates Jews. <laughs> uh, as long as you don't hate Jews, you can, you can go ahead and consume it. That's my opinion. <laughs> you can watch Sam Hyde without being a misogynist. I think as long as you're mindful, as long as you don't condone or excuse any, anything he says, or as long as you don't repeat things he says, um, I think you're fine. Uh, and I guess on the other side of what you're watching right now, uh, would be the porn influence. What influences me pornographically and that I don't have a good answer to. I watched a lot of porn. I try not to. And a lot of a lot of my influence for how I approach porn is really purely based on how I view porn. It's, it's kind of, uh, I think it really sounds snooty and pretentious, but it's like, it's how I, 
it's it's me- it feels meta to me. It feels like I'm I'm really just reflecting the way I view myself watching porn. It's a reflection of how I view the average porn watcher. Cuz a lot of what I make is just this kind of bored jerk off. I don't know. It's 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 a lot of jerk off videos are boring and I don't, I don't watch, I don't watch jerk off videos. And that's the thing is I'm not, that's not, that's why I don't have a clear influence for like, Ooh, how should I, you know, what influenced me to make jerk off videos is, is my own porn. I would say dependency, my own porn addiction, my own ongoing, like dependency on, on pornographic material. Um, and it was only after starting to make jerk off videos that I started like kind of looking at porn more analytically in terms of what do people like, what do people watch? Like what kind of content is out there? What kind of people, what kind of content are a lot of people making? And there are a lot of guys who make solo male jerk off content where they're sitting quietly and, and like jerking off. And some people like that. Um, and I knew I wouldn't want to keep making that. You know, my first couple of videos are are were just me jerking off, um, quietly, maybe a little moaning, but there was nothing. There was nothing to spice it up. Um, and I decided to spice it up because they are. It's it. You can get jerk off videos anywhere. But it was mostly, it's not so much about making it more entertaining for you, for the viewer. It's about making my masturbation more interesting for myself. And it's weirdly enough, I don't, I actually don't enjoy the videos I make. I actually don't enjoy the jerking off. I don't like have a, you know, I don't have a fetish for like edging. I don't really like edging that much. I don't edge in my own time, you know, it's not like a, 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 a thing I consciously do if and when I masturbate. Um, <clears throat> but it is, it makes a jerk off video more interesting and it is a way to explore myself in a, in a different light, in a different way. But I think it's also a reflection of how I, how I end up watching porn. It's, it's, it's kind of a reflection of the kind of porn, the progression of someone who watches porn so often that they're always escalating the, let's just call it the weirdness of, of what they're watching. The, the, the novelty of it, you know, they're always looking for more novelty. The way your brain works is that you're always looking for something a little, different every time you're going to respond a a little less to that same video you've already watched or that same kind of video, that same anal video, uh, that anal prolapse video you've watched five times is not doing it for you anymore. Now you need, um, I don't know, belly button prolapse. (laughs) You need a navel hernia. I don't know. You know what I mean though? It's like, if you're, if you're listening to this, clearly you've, you have some degree of porn addiction and you've definitely 
explored, you know, other avenues. You've explored some, probably some taboo shit. This, I'm not saying this is the taboo shit, but this is different. This is different than what you normally watch or consume. So it's mildly interesting, right? And it's mildly interesting because my penis is out in addition. Um, my point again, very pretentious is that I'm trying to make the kind of content that you think you would click on or it's, it's, it's a reflection of my own porn addiction of needing ever stimulate, ever increasingly stimulating content. So I make things where I jerk off to like music or I'd make something funny about it, or it's just very visually like loud or dramatic or funny or whatever. But it's not to help myself get off. It's to reflect my own struggle. Uh, I don't know. That sounds so shitty. That sounds so fucking corny. Uh, but yeah, I guess, I guess that's what it is if you really want to know like just what I watch in general, like, you know, when I was in middle school, I had jerked off to the ba like basic stuff. You know, I, I told I already the whole middle school episode I did. I think I talked about jerking off to biker Bay magazines. My stepdad had just whatever old VHS tapes. You can just jerk off to basic ass porn, just whatever, you know, Mag, you know, uh, uh, underwear, swimsuit ads in the fucking newspaper. Easy nut. You can jerk up to your imagination. Easy, easy nut. Girl in your class. Easy nut. Two minutes in the bathroom, rub one out. Done. You know, one shitty picture on your, on your, on your, your razor flip phone, one blurry picture you saved. It's not even the original picture. It's actually a picture you took of your computer. Um, easy nut you know i think i jerked off to hentai a couple times back in middle school there was definitely a time i printed out like uh uh like a hentai girl i printed out printed her out and then brought her to the bathroom so i could toss the evidence when i was done um and then, yeah, and then like, but at the same time in middle school, that's when I started going on, well, I should say, even before that, even before I was jerking off, I uh, was introduced to Newgrounds, Newgrounds as, an, as a child by my, my cousins. I remember my cousins would go on Newgrounds, my older cousins and they were using it to play games or like, you know, watch flash animations and stuff. But obviously there was a lot of adult content. If you're not familiar with Newgrounds, it, I think it still exists. The platform is still there. I'm not sure if they retained all their content, but, um, you know, cause, and flash is kind of uh, now obsolete defunct, but I think it's still supported a little bit. I don't Anyway, not the point, but Newgrounds was, you know, had a lot of games, animations, but it had a lot of adult games as well. A lot of dress up games, a lot of, uh, had, that was the first time I was exposed to like, they were like dating Sims and stuff like that. And, um, I wouldn't, 
I wasn't like jerking off at that point. I was literally just like watching and having like a, my little prepubescent boner and just playing like Britney Spears, like dress up game. And, um, that's, I don't know why that's the one that sticks out of my head so much is, is this Britney Spears and you could like change her big boob size and like, it's really weird. I'm sure it still exists though. Shout out Brittany. Hope she's doing okay. Uh, I love her Instagram. It's it's so it makes me feel very sad actually. So yeah, that that would I would say those are my my very early influences, even before the biker babes. But also like it had some pretty um gory content as well, very violent. I remember playing like I think it was like Skull Kid or something, but it was like the game was literally like you go you go to school with a chainsaw and you just fucking like cut up everyone like like massacre type games like school shooting type games. Uh, I remember playing that shit when I was like seven, um, which you know I guess I turned out fine, but I early on I remember having like kind of this weird not obsession but I always found something very interesting about about events like that about like school shootings or mass shootings or massacres or mass suicides or anything like that I remember being super into it when I was young um, and it was hard to get like in for, you know to get materials and resources about it I mean you could find only so much online at that point this was like 2002, 2003. Um, you can find a good amount, but I, I didn't know how to fucking, you know, I didn't know how to conduct research. So I remember like going to the library and trying to find books on like Columbine and shit like that. And there were some books that, you know, from like survivors or like, it doesn't matter. The point is I was, I was, into violence I was into sex pretty early on um, I meant I meant to mention Hills Have Eyes Hills Have Eyes is my favorite probably my favorite horror movie and only because it's the only thing that's ever made me it's like it it, it ingrained in me this like desire for it's not something I I want to feel but it's like there's something comfortable about this extremely like empty, like hopeless feeling that that movie kind of created in me. And I can still watch it now and it still creates that. There's a lot of movies that are probably as like good as Hills Have Eyes that I've watched. There's plenty, but none have created that same sense of dread, that emptiness in my, in my chest and my stomach that that movie kind of made. Um, Human Centipede kind of did that for me, but only because I watched it. I remember watching it like three in the morning when I was in like high school and like alone and it made me feel like I needed a cold shower. But, you know, I, I liked, I liked things like that, but Hills Have Eyes that really set, set some kind of weird tone for my, for me. It really affected me weirdly enough. I, I feel like I'm going to, I should watch it again. I haven't watched it for a while. Um, but yeah, so I, I liked reading books about like 
suicide. I liked reading books about shootings. I liked reading books about, you know, people cutting themselves. I didn't read, uh, but so and the thing is like, by the time I got to like middle school, when everyone was reading, like there was that book, I think called cut. I think it was the same author is like cut and like crank or something is about drugs and girls cutting themselves like really like young adult kind of stuff. By the time I got to that point, I was like kind of over it. Unfortunately, like I didn't read it when I felt like I should have. Um, and then I got kind of into like the whole mental health thing again, back in, you know, in high school during the, another Hollywood boom of like mental health stuff when like silver linings playbook came out and that one movie based on a book and with like Zach Galifianakis, the kid in the hospital. Oh, it's like kind of a, I think it's called, it's kind of a funny story. I really liked that book. Hated the movie, but that was when I was going through my, you know, my dark moody angsty times. And that was when I was watching a lot of Louie. Um, Louie made this thing called, made this, sh this web series called Horace and Pete. And it's just like this really like, it, it's really, it's like a, it's more dark than comedy. It's, it's really mostly just dark. It's mostly just drama um, with a bunch of his like comedian act, actor friends. Um, but that really, that I haven't rewatched it cause it's, it makes me feel awful, but it's really stuck with me. And uh, if you want to feel shitty for a while, you can watch that. If you're looking for a recommendation, Horace and Pete. Um, when I want to feel good, I, when I feel, when I already feel shitty and want to just, you know, I'm having a rainy day. I watch, uh, uh, Howl's moving castle. I know that's very basic, but, uh, I really enjoy Howl's moving castle more so than other Miyazaki films. Um, that one does it for me. Uh, I'm just going to shoot out recommendations now since that's really the point of this. Um, music wise I'm not even going to touch because it's like I don't, I don't think it's helpful to recommend music to people I think the only way to really introduce people to music that you think you like or that you think they'll like is to just play it for them and so I've been thinking about I'm not going to just play music in my jerk off videos um, with the exception of that one DJ vid but if you want to know what I listen to, um, you can, I, ha I have Spotify playlists. <laughs> I have Spotify playlists that are not behind the paywall. You're welcome to uh, ask me for them. I'll probably give you a, some attitude, but I can send them to you if you want. But you, you like your own music. You have music. I think people don't, unless you're really basic, unless you're really like have no autonomy, really don't know what you like, you probably know and are going to listen to the same music for the rest of your life. And that's fine. You can identify with whatever genre you like now. And then hopefully in 10 years, you'll identify with another genre, you know, and you'll just go through another phase and that's what you should do. That's what most people do. Hopefully you grow a little bit uh, and acquire some new tastes. Um, or you can be like my old roommate who, you know, lives and dies by Pearl Jam. I don't know how like one person can love Pearl Jam so much, but I'm sure it's because they went through some kind of traumatic experience and 
Pearl Jam saved their life. And uh, Dave Matthews Band saved my life, dude. Uh, uh, Imagine Dragons. <laughs> Where would I be? It's always bands like that. I feel like that. It's like white dudes will get really attached to. Um, dudes will create an identity out of a lot of different things. And I think one of the other stereotypes is the dudes getting uh, attached and identifying to the, the Sigma male characters of uh, like taxi driver drive, uh, uh, um, fucking blade runner, you know, those, those type of Sigmas. Um, and you know, I like those. I, and I, the thing is like, I find myself fitting into that stereotype at times, like early on where I was like, yeah, like the drive is my favorite movie. Drive was probably my favorite movie when I was fucking like 16. Like, 16 or 17 like when it came when it was like a when it was new you know um but there are still some dudes who like you know will unironically say that that is still their favorite movie i'm a ryan gosling fan don't get me wrong i love ryan gosling i really do i don't know much about him i don't look into his like personal life or anything but i like what he does in anything he's been in i think he's brilliant i don't like him in the i, I, I didn't watch the notebook until like I watched the notebook when I was very young and I didn't understand it. I didn't know who Ryan Gosling was anyway, and nobody did. Um, but I have not rewatched that since then, but everything else he's done. I've, I've been a big fan love. Uh, I tend to get attached to male leads. I'm really big on Jake Gyllenhaal. I love Jake Gyllenhaal. I haven't watched his recent, like two like, um, like emergency services related movies. Like he has the one where he's the dispatcher and then the other one is some kind of heist thing, but it's like an ambulance. I don't fucking know. I didn't watch him, but that's kind of not what I like him in, but maybe he, is, he makes him good. I like everything else he's done. And I also, he's in my mind kind of, when guys ask me if I would like ever let a guy like suck me or like if I would ever do any, some do some gay shit. Like I think of someone who's like a, like a Jake Gyllenhaal type or a Ryan Gosling type, like handsome, but soft, you know, not too rugged, not too, um, not too masculine. I need them to be very gentle looking. Um, but I also happen to like their movies, but I also think they're hot. Um, and, 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 and of course, Robert Pattinson also, I think, kind of fits into that. Um, also, because Robert Pattinson looks uh, kind of like a Wajian. <laughs> he looks like a white Asian dude, uh, which is something I really... He looks more Wajian than me. Yeah. Because <sighs> um, he's the right kind of... Asian looking. I look, I look too much like a Filipino, which is hardly Asian, hardly Asian. Um, what else? I, I haven't read the twilight books. I collect the twilight books, but I, they're, they're just for aesthetic. 
and, and that's and that's a case of more of just appearances rather than something I actually consume. I have a lot of books that I definitely have bought with at least some consideration for how they would look um, in a bookcase or on a shelf for when uh, babes come over and trying to appear uh, well-read. And I try to read a lot of them. Don't get me wrong. I at least try. I don't just throw them on the shelf right away. I, put, I leave them in the bathroom. I leave them by the my bed or I put them in my backpack and carry them to work, you know, and I try to, I bring them to the lunchroom or the break room and think maybe if I have some time, I'll read them. I don't, I don't. Uh, the last book I read was truly was when I had a job where I literally didn't, did nothing, did nothing for like eight hours. Um, and that was only for two weeks. It was a short gig, but literally sat and maybe did 20 minutes of work tops got paid as a nurse for eight hours. Um, and I just read, I read classics. I read books that I was supposed to have read in high school. Um, and that's kind of the inspiration for why I'm reading or at least titling these videos, the classics that I, uh, was supposed to have read, you know, things that are also relevant and kind of cringy in, in this modern age that are prophetic in, in some sense, uh, like 1984 and uh, Brave New World and, and things like that. Um, but going along with the idea of consumerism and um, modern society, capitalism, blah, 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 I do and have made many references to Infinite Jest. And, uh, I know this is a meme book. I know, but I, I, I think it's probably good <laughs> if I were to read it, if I were to sit down and actually read it, I think I would enjoy it. I do appreciate, I've read many of David Foster Wallace's short essays. I've listened to him speak. I like, you know, he's, he is the perfect man in most 20-somethings males' minds uh, and really represents, I don't know, some sort of attitude that I hope to not have for the rest of my life, but is appropriate now. And so I feel like I should read this before I get, uh, before I grow the fuck up. And um, for now, though, I'm going to keep it, I uh, keep it on the bookshelf. I make sure it's seen. Uh, I would, I would call this the, and I've seen this reference somewhere else, um, that this is the, uh, equivalent of a live, laugh, love poster in a male's apartment. This is pretty much the same thing. I don't know what the John Cena represents. Maybe like a giant, uh, sign that says eat in the kitchen, maybe a giant wooden spoon and a fork. But I think John Cena represents some other kind of basic bitch mentality. Um, I was told that this is a, an extension of uh, David Foster Wallace. If you don't have the time or the capacity to read all that and read all the footnotes, uh, my understanding is that uh, Jonathan Franzen the corrections is a good way to maybe is a good way to work yourself into something as lengthy and wordy as uh, and convoluted as infinite jest while still having a lot of the same themes and um, 
I think generally the same purpose, I think, and what it wants to communicate in the reader. Um, haven't read it yet. Still reading it. This one I'm actually actively reading. That's that's only reason I mention it because this intimidates me. And uh, now I'm going to read you just the, uh, I'm going to read you the, the footnotes only. This book is so, if you don't know, his writing style is very heavily, um, it's not based around his footnotes, but he adds a lot of footnotes to what he writes um, to create even more, a more fleshed out world and understanding of what he's referencing. Um, as if, you know, the first, you know, thousand pages weren't enough. Um, he decided to add, you know, how many other pages worth of, of, uh, footnotes. So this book, they, they were nice enough, this edition, they were nice enough to just add them to the end of the book. As you can see here, there are, uh, I don't know, maybe 40, 50 pages of just footnotes. So I highly recommend reading this. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there's, I'm sure it will affect you in a way and I'm sure it's going to change your life and I'm sure it'll change mine when I read it. Probably after I read it, I will stop. Uh, you won't hear from me. Once I read it, I, uh, I assume this is what influences someone to kill themselves finally, much like the late DFW did. Maybe he read his own book and that was what did him in. Uh, like I said, if you, uh, if you want to know more, feel free to message me if you need, if you want to talk more in detail about what influences me. I didn't really go into much detail. I just wanted to let you know that I rip most of this content from memes. I rip my content from, edgelords in the internet age, those few comedians, um, podcasts. I, I do listen to come town. If it's not obvious, um, I am a 27 year old male and I'm mostly white. I do listen to all the things you think a young 27 year old male would listen to watch, read, I am watching The Sopranos for the first time. What else? You know, what else is new? Oh, I forgot to mention video games, but video games mean nothing. It, just the idea that I do play video games and and into video game culture is enough. You don't have to know what I play. It doesn't matter what you play. If you play games, you're a fucking loser. All right. With that said, notes and errata. Notes, etc. One, methamphetamine, hydrochloride, aka crystal meth. This book is fucking heavy. Oh my god. Two, Oren's never once darkened the door of any sort of therapy professional, by the way, so his takes on his dreams are always generally pretty surface level. Three, ETA is laid out as a cardioid with the four main inward facing buildings. 
convexly rounded at the back and sides to yield a cardioids curve with the tennis courts and pavilions at the center and the staff and students parking lots in back of calm ad forming the little bashed indent that from the air gives the whole facility the valentine heart aspect that still wouldn't have been truly cardioid if the buildings themselves didn't have their convex bulges all derived from arcs of the same are a staggering feat given the uneven ground and wildly different electrical and plumbing conduit wall space required by dormitories, administrative offices, and polyresinous lung. Pull offable probably by on the whole East Coast one guy, ETA's original architect, Avril's old and very dear friend, the topology world's... What the fuck is this? Ricky of Brandy U, now deceased, who used to wow Hal and Mario and Weston by taking off his vest without removing his suit jacket, which... M. Pemulus years later exposed as a cheap parlor trick exploitations of certain basic features of continuous functions, which revelation how mourned in a Santa's not real type of secret way in which Mario simply ignored, preferring to see the vest thing as plain magic. Footnotes. Those younger staffers who double as academic and athletic instructors are by convention at North American Tennis Academies, known as pro-rectors. Number five, known usually as drines, i.e. lightweight speed, silert, tenuate, fast and prelidin, even sometimes ritalin. It's worth an NB that unlike Jim or the preludin happy Bridget Boone, Michael Premelis, Pemelis, out of maybe some queer sort of blue collar street type honor, rarely ingests any drines before dreens. Oh, I'm sorry, dream. Dreams before a match, uh, preserving them for recreation. Some people are wired to find heart pounding, eye wobbling, dream stimulation recreational. Oh my God. Oh my God. Okay. And then so there's, it's already a cliff note. And then there's like a sub cliff note within the cliff note. I get it now. I never, I never, I never, I didn't know how deep this went. Tenuit's the trade name of diethylpropion hydrochloride, Marion Merrill Dow Pharmaceuticals, technically a prescription anti-obesity agent favored by some athletes for its mildly euphoric and resources rallying properties without the tooth grinding and hideous post blood spike crash that the hair, hairier chested dreams like fast and siler inflict though with a discomforting discomforting tendency to cause post spike ocular nystagmus nystagmus or no nystagmus tenuates a particular favorite of Michael Pemulus, who hoards for personal ingestion every 75 milligram white tenuate capsule he can lay his hands on and does not sell or trade them except sometimes to roommate Jim Trelsch, who nags Pemulus for them and also goes into Pemulus's special yachting cap, entrepo yachting cap, and promotes still more of them on the sly, a couple at a time, feeling that they help his sports color commentary liquacity which secret promotions pemulus knows all about too well about all too well and is biting his time to retaliate never you fear okay well anyway that was five cliff notes and i'm gonna go kill myself now thanks <laughs> <laughs>
thank you. Thank you all. Thank you all so much. Thanks for tuning in. I can't wait till next week. Next week, we're going to read even, even harder to consume books. Um, make sure you comment what you're consuming lately. Let me know what you're consuming because I'm going to consume it too. I really want to know what my fans watch. I want it to be a circular relationship where I tell you what I consume and then you tell me what you consume and we're just going to watch what each other consumes until we're just watching literally the same thing all the time. Okay. All right. Cheers. <laughs> Let me know what I should make next. I don't know what I, I don't know what to put out. Lately, I've just been really preoccupied with trying to get my Instagram fixed, trying to get my car fixed. My power steering broke. My car is extremely hard to turn. It makes me really nervous to drive, but I'm not going to fix it. Um, really preoccupied with moving. I applied for my license to, I applied for a license in Oklahoma, my nursing license. So I guess I'm committed to that. I mean, I don't have to go. It's, you know, Oklahoma, but, uh, I think it signifies some degree of commitment and, um, that's it. And I'm avoiding people and I'm looking for pussy on Reddit. <laughs> have you ever done that? Let me know in the comments. Have you ever gone on the hookup subreddits? I don't use Reddit for, for much of anything. Uh, and unless it comes up in Google results for something else relevant. But I don't browse Reddit. But one day when I was very horny, I came across the many... I didn't realize there were so many hookup uh, subreddits. And I started posting in a few of them. Um, I won't mention which ones, but... If you want to hook up in your local, <laughs> hit, me, hit me up on a Reddit. <laughs> I think I'm just lonely. I think I'm more lonely than horny. Um, I don't even want to fuck. I just want to practice my massage skills. So let me know. You know, just try to get the most out of California before I go to fuck. Oklahoman girls, Oklahomaan, whatever you might call them, Okies, Okies, I think is what they uh, go by. Um, I'm addicted to porn. I have to consciously not jerk off to porn. Um, and you should stop too. I hope you do. Maybe a good way to do it is to only jerk off to audio. Maybe don't watch the porn, just uh, listen to it. I think that's what ASMR is all about. And uh, just a thought, if you can't cut it out completely, just give it a shot. Hopefully this helps. Hopefully the sound of me jerking off is uh, helpful. You know? Of my cock lubed up, you know? If you're not watching, I am stroking my cock with lube. <laughs> I'm wearing a black t-shirt. I have a mustache and a, a light scruffy beard with some sideburns going on. My hair is bunned up. 
I'm wearing glasses and a gold uh, bracelet. The candle's lit. There's a very corny Urban Outfitters tapestry in the background with Christmas lights, string lights, uh, John Cena cardboard cutout, him shirtless, jean shorts, black leather belts, uh, multiple green sweatbands on both arms, and wearing one singular dog tag and knee pads guitar in the background so it looks like I'm musical I can play a couple chords I can play top 40 I could probably play most Pearl Jam songs um, I got two mics in front of me one on my cock one on my mouth um, that's it. That's what I got going on. I'm thinking about you. Thinking about you sitting there listening to this, jerking your little penis, your little vagina, your little, your little clit, your little genitals. That's what's getting me hard right now. That's what's going to make me come is the thought of you, you, you specifically, not anyone else, not anything else. You get me hot, baby. You're the one that gets me fucking hot. You get me going. You make me want to come and only you. That's right. I mean it. I love when you send me nudes unprompted. That's what inspires me to make content. <sighs> yeah, I do it for you. I do it for you, baby. Keep watching me. Keep watching me, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I love when you watch me. I love when you spend all your time watching me. Don't watch anyone else, baby. Just me. Just you and me. Forever. Back and forth. Yeah. <sighs> Imagining you under the table. Servicing me. Servicing my pee-pee. You love it. <sighs> yeah, slip between your lips. Let me fuck that pretty little mouth. Yeah. Yeah, you like how it tastes? Yeah, you want me to feed you? Yeah, you want me to splooge inside your mouth? You want that hot cum running down your throat? Yeah. Yeah. You want to suck on these nipple tips? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You want to fuck this belly button, don't you? You want to tongue it? You want to stick your tongue in? You want to lick it? You want to lick it clean? Mm -hmm. How about my armpit, baby? Yeah. You want to get up in there? You want to splooge in my armpit? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You want to sneeze on me? You want to sneeze on daddy? Do you want to sneeze on daddy? You want to sneeze on daddy? Do you want to sneeze on daddy? You want to sneeze? You're going to sneeze? 
I'm going to sneeze on daddy. Sneeze for daddy. Sneeze. Sneeze for me. Mm. Mm. Cough. Cough for daddy. Cough for daddy. Press nine for daddy. <laughs> Press nine for daddy. Press eight for dad. Press seven for father. Press nine for daddy. Stop watching for daddy. Don't come for daddy. Stop jerking off for daddy. Stop breathing for daddy. Fuck me when it fucking come. Just for daddy. Read infinite just for daddy, please. Read David Foster Wallace for daddy. Yeah, you're gonna read it for daddy, please. Hmm? Yeah, you're gonna read theory for daddy. Yeah. Yeah, yes, you are. Yes, you will. That's good, baby. Yeah, read the whole fucking book. Read the fucking Cliff Notes, baby. Yeah. 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 Yeah, for daddy. Yeah, for daddy. Yeah, yeah. You're going to read infinite just for daddy. Ew. <laughs> do it for daddy. Look at that. Do it, do it for daddy. 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 Do it for daddy.